Welcome everybody to Marketing Management and Money with Ryan Murray. So today we are fortunate to have a guest with us. Our guest is Yash Shivan. He is a marketer at heart who is also the founder of Sorel, a tool that makes finding, managing, and monetizing influencers simple for e-commerce brands. He's an engineer by training, but dropped out of college to work in sales and eventually started a marketing agency where he scaled many brands and software companies to over a million in annual revenue. Over the last couple of years, Yash has been exploring the world of influence. Driven Marketing has worked with over uh, 5,000 influencers. He's created and perfected a six-step system that any brand can apply to start and scale a successful influencer program. With that said, welcome to the show, Yash. And uh, I'd love to kind of hear a little bit of your journey. I mean, we're going to get into this throughout the show, but uh, I'd like to hear a little bit of your journey. You went from engineer to sales (laughs) to influencer, uh, you know, so uh, definitely, uh, definitely a big shift there. But why don't you start by kind of giving us uh, just a a quick background of of where you come from and, and what brought you to where you are today? Awesome. Well, first off, Ryan, thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. Um, about my story, so for the listeners, if you haven't caught it from my accent yet, I'm joining in from Mumbai, India. So like like every Indian ever, I had to become an engineer or a doctor, right? So I, <laughs> I went the engineer route. Um, and then two years into it, two years into my four-year degree, I figured out it wasn't really for me. I've always had f- more fun like selling stuff. So even when like I I had that classic story, right, of like when I was in school, I used to sell like pens in school and chocolates and stuff like just like trading, Uh sell them, right, kind of thing. So I always done that engineering never really like caught my attention. So I was like, you know what, I'm not going to do this. I just essentially just dropped out of college and then took a sales job at a startup here. Um, And that's how I got started in the turn from engineering into into the world of startups and, and sales. So that's the, that's the origin story. Okay. Kind of the quick and dirty yeah. there. So uh, yeah. what, what like really attracted you to sales? Uh, it's funny, I talk with a lot of people and most people shy away from sales. It's sort of the necessary evil mm-hmm. in business. And you're sitting here saying like, oh man, that was for me. I loved it, especially not being in a highly driven sales culture. So what, yes. what really kind of attracted you in the first place to sales? Um, I think I don't necessarily agree with the, with the, the, the evil that usually sales <laughs> is portrayed as, um, I think sales is a, sales can be a force for good. If you're selling the right thing, I'm, I'm assuming like if you're working at a great company or selling the, like a good product, then your product would help change someone's lives, will help make them money, save them time. So you're doing good in the world by helping the customer buy your product. Um, so I think that's what really attracted me towards sales and Obviously, of course, also there was the money aspect to it. There's the there's the commissions, there's that kind of stuff. So I didn't come from a background where like the variable um, like the variable compensation was was a thing because most people just have like a fixed thing. Whereas with sales, it was like I had more control over how much money I make. If I close more deals, I get paid more. Mm-hmm. Right. So that was also the the initial sort of attraction, right? As a as like a I think nineteen year old. So. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what attracted me to sales. But then it's funny you ask that because then I switched from sales to marketing then. And then the reason for that is um, I think I just tried marketing. I was a sixth employee at an at a early stage startup. So basically like just did everything there. Uh-huh. Um, wasn't like siloed into just sales. So did like partnerships, marketing, some even like support work. So I was like wearing multiple hats. I really liked marketing because marketing was like 
it was like sales, but at scale. With sales, it's one-on-one conversations versus with marketing, it was like it's it's me, one person who's let's say typing up an ad that like a hundred thousand people could potentially see. So it was more of that. It was more one-to-many, which is the aspect of our marketing that attracted. So that's why. I, turn from sales away to marketing. But then, yeah, I see both of them kind of as the, as the same thing. It's persuasion at the end of the day. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting because uh, I work with a lot of people and they're just like, well, aren't sales and marketing the same thing? And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of difference between sales and marketing. Yeah. No. Yeah. So uh, I think I want to jump into the, the crux of, of what, we, uh, what we're going to discuss today. And, yeah. and I think this is what, uh, what my listeners are going to be super interested to hear. And that is this whole idea of how are you scaling influencers? There are mm. so many people out there, you know, I mean, here uh, where, uh, where we are in, in the U.S., and I, I assume in India it's going to be very, very similar. Everyone thinks yep. that they're going to be a YouTube star. You know, I mean, that's like <laughs> it, you, yep. you, you go back 20 or 30 years and you ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they were saying, you know, like firefighter and astronaut. And yep. now it's like <laughs> I want to be a YouTuber. And, yep. and yep. you know, everyone has this idea. But the reality of it is that there's far too many people who are out there. You know, I would use the expression throwing mud against the wall and seeing what sticks and not enough people who are actually uh, seeing success or even seeing a pathway to success. Mm. And so one of the things that I find Mm. fascinating about you is that you actually have a process. You've got your six step process. And, Mm. and so, you know, kind of talk about maybe, you know, what, what are some of the things that you see with influencers, maybe some of the mistakes that you see that them, that they're making and mm. how do you how do you go about fixing those mistakes? I mean, everyone's at a different level. Some people have natural yep. advantages. You know, they've already got a little bit of a following, or maybe they're in a good yep. niche market that is going to make yep. sense. And other people, it's it's really really challenging. So you know, kind of kind of address that, and and let's maybe get into some of those hidden gems there. Sure, sure. So. I primarily work on the brand side of things with influencers. So I'm like, I'm the, I'm the brand guy who's, I represent a brand who's, let's say we're collaborating with an influencer to get the product out there. So I can share a, like a unique perspective based on what brands are looking for in influencers. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think most influencers who fail to grow, it's just like, it just boils down to authenticity. I think everyone's because everyone, like you said, is want to become like, they want to be the YouTuber, the Instagram or the TikToker who goes viral. They're trying these like little, hacks or like different like <laughs> scripts or you know something like that like oh, I, if i follow this particular trend or if i dance to this particular song then i'm going to become famous i think that is i mean sometimes it might work as everybody catches a lucky break sometimes but then um for most people whom i've seen are are very huge like i've, I've worked with influencers with more than a million subscribers uh-huh. um, and they're really authentic really down to earth they're not they don't let the fame get to their head they just they care about their craft a lot, which is making YouTube videos and the niche, the particular niche that they're in. So let's say it's a YouTuber who makes videos about mindfulness or productivity. They're really about that craft. They're like reading books all the time. They're watching podcasts about about like their stuff and then they're putting it into videos. So if they're like really obsessed about what they do, they end up being good creators because then they're like putting their heart and soul into it as opposed to following some kind of a script or a framework to be to be successful so if, I, if you're asking for like what should an influencer do to be successful i would say just like pick a niche and be authentic and i think another thing that i've seen is that most like beginner influencers they just don't do enough volume so most big influencers like for example i've heard that 
I think MKBHD, who's like one of the biggest tech YouTubers, he made like a thousand videos and he had like, I think 10,000 subscribers or something like that. Now he has probably 5 million, but that's a different story. But he had to put out a thousand 10 minute long YouTube videos (laughs) and he just hit 10K subscribers. Most people would quit, right? After a hundred, if they put out a hundred videos, and they didn't, don't get like 10,000 followers, they, they just stop. Uh, this guy put out 1,000, and he still had like a small amount of followers in comparison, right? But then that obsession is what led him to grow to the 5 or 10 million that he's at right now. So I think just like putting, putting enough volume is also necessary, yeah. So, oh man, that uh, really uh, kicks a, a few questions up in my mind. I'm going to start with this one. Is there a magic formula? And I'm I'm pretty sure that there there isn't. But I'm you know I want to look for mm-hmm. like those guidelines because you said you know you put a thousand videos out there, and, and I don't yep. want people to think that it's like okay as soon as I hit my thousandth video then I'm <laughs> yeah. you know but but it, is there a mount? You know I I hear a lot of people that they're saying well you got to put something out weekly or you got to put something out <clears> daily <throat> or you got to put something out three times a day and now you're saying well you know once you yep. once you clear a thousand so like how do you you know that you're putting enough content out there and how do you know if you're running too light i see um i think that's a that just i think that shouldn't even be a question if you want to be a creator if you really like what you're doing like i'm sure mkbhd when he was making his 1000 video he was ready to make another 1000 before he before he hit it big, right? I don't think he even, he was even thinking of that. I think he was just thinking about, hey, I, I just got the, this this mobile phone from Samsung and I'm going to do a review on it because I love sharing it with my small audience of 10,000 people. I think if you're, if you're doing it for the love of the craft and not for it to be like, to be famous or to grow to a certain amount of subscriber count, um, I think you're just playing the wrong game if you just want to hit big. And like, there's, a, there's influencers who are like, at 50,000 followers, but then their fans are super engaged. They love them. They buy everything that the influencer talks about. And that's also success. Like you don't necessarily even have to hit uh, like the millions of followers um, mm-hmm. arena. Like you can still be successful. Like I'm sure like pe- people listen to your podcast and maybe like a thousand people listen to it, but they listen to every single episode. They're in love. They're like, you know, they're, you're in their car, you're in there, you know, when they're at the gym. So that's also success. You don't necessarily always have to be big. So if you're like, if you have to like keep going, I think you just fall in love with your craft and what you do, um, and then just keep talking about it, keep distributing it. So yeah, and 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 I, I I'm glad that you really you know kind of kind of hit on the numbers because one of the things that uh, so you know I mean my whole business is focusing on training small businesses to be more effective. And, uh, you know, we made a conscious decision to go after the, you know, kind of the quality as opposed to the quantity. And, you know, like, I think a lot of businesses get confused that big numbers are going Mm -hmm. to equate to big profits. And it can... But it doesn't mean that it will, and and so you know there there, there is definitely a distinction there, and I, and I'm glad that you brought that up. Yep, yep, absolutely, yeah. So okay, another thing that I want to go back to, and this is something that's not settling well with me. I agree with you on it, but I I feel like there's so much more to it, and that is you know mm-hmm. you talk about the authenticity, kind of the love of the craft, making sure that you're passionate about it. But in my experience, I've come across a lot of people who are very passionate. And I feel like they're so disconnected with their audience because they're so centered on their passion. And, mm. and, and so, 
you know, when, when I work with people, I'm always trying to consult them to say, well, what does the audience want? Now, I think there's two <clears throat> things going on here. If you're creating yeah. a podcast, I know there are people who, you know, they'll, they'll YouTube or they'll Instagram or they'll podcast just because they enjoy doing it. And they honestly could care yeah. less whether people are following them or not. Like, yeah. you know, it, it's yeah. just, it's play for them. And, and, and so that, that's fine if that's the direction that you're in. But if you're doing this from a business mm -hmm. perspective, you know, if you're trying mm -hmm. to grow a brand and you're mm -hmm. only looking at it from what you care about, what you're authentic about, is that enough? I feel like it, it pulls people in this, you know, false uh, sense of the world. Like, for example, yeah. me, I'm very passionate about finance. That's what my degree is in. But mm -hmm. I find that if I only did a podcast talking about finance, it would bore people to death <laughs> because they're like, I don't want to hear about financial ratios again. Yep. And so we, we actually yep. have more people engage when we do, uh, you know, podcasts that are talking about like management principles or personality mm. issues that, you, that come up in business. Like that's, that's what people care about. Mm. And so I, I have to have mm. this balance and maybe not, you know, not yep. follow exactly what I want to do every single time. Correct. Yep. Absolutely. I think that boils down to just being intelligent about what your audience wants, right? So of course, like you might have to, <clears throat> I call these like tangential topics. So you, as a brand, let's say you're a brand or a business owner and you want to talk about a certain thing, it's not necessary that your audience is only interested in that certain thing. Yes, they are interested in, but then they're interested in like five other topics that relate to it, like you said, like management, right? Like operations maybe, right? So that's the kind of stuff. So you have to ask your audience, be close to them, and then make sure that you're also covering those topics yourself if you can talk on it, or you get a partner on, you get like, you hire someone to do it for you, you, you know, write stuff related to that. So yeah, I think that's just that that boils down to being closer to your audience. I think good creators are closer to their audience. So yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So 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 then here's here's the next thing, and I I apologize. Yeah. Like I feel like I've just uh, you know jumped into this uh, you know into this episode, and I'm like it's now all about me because I'm asking my questions, <laughs> but. Still, I'm going to go with it for a second. Go on, yeah. So I had a question, uh, or I had a conversation yesterday, in fact, with a, a good friend of mine. So uh, she actually is a nurse practitioner. She owns mm -hmm. her own uh, clinic, and she's gotten very successful to the point she's like, yeah, we, we can no longer accept new patients. It's been three months now that uh, we've put a hold on accepting new patients. You know, that's how busy we are. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm like, congratulations, that's awesome that your business is going really well. Yeah. Uh, and so she, she made this comment to me. She said, so I'm kind of thinking about what to do next, you know, like yeah. a true entrepreneur, they're always thinking about what to yeah. do next. And, yeah. you know, she said, she's like, I think I want to do a podcast on women's mm. health. I'm like, yeah, mm. I, I think that would be great. You know, it's it's something clearly yeah. you're passionate about it. You've got expertise. Yeah. You run a women's health clinic and, you know, you're mm. successful enough that, that you can no yeah. longer accept new patients. You've been at this for well over a decade, probably two decades at this point. And so, you know, you've yeah. got all the experience. But so she was then asking me, you know, kind of how to get started and how to get it set up. Well, I'm going to mm. turn the question and I'm going to ask you, what if someone wants to build their brand from an influencer perspective? So mm -hmm. they're a successful business already. They, you know, like the, the, the company is doing well, 
but they recognize that in today's world, you've got to, you know, you got to be out there, you got to be social, you got to have something going on. And so how would you advise someone to get started on the right foot? Like, what are some things that, that you're saying, oh, you know, like if, if you really want to do this correctly and save yourself the headache, you know, mm. g- give yourself success in, in a shorter period of time, like what, mm. what are the things that, that you are always advising with the companies uh, that you're working with? Yep. I think fundamentally, I think it just boils down to, again, coming going back to the volume question, because content is a volume game, right? Nobody's going to listen to your first or your 10th episode of your podcast. So <laughs> the first step to question to ask yourself before you start, if someone comes up to me and says, hey, should we start a podcast or I want to do this podcast? I know it sounds appealing because everyone else is doing it, but you have to ask yourself, am I willing to put out at least 100 episodes out and nobody listening to me. Is that okay? <laughs> if you're okay with that, if you're that passionate, then you go ahead and start your podcast because I'm sure that when you put out 100 episodes, people are going to listen. But if you are the type who thinks that, hey, I'll pull out, put out 10 episodes and I'll get like my business is going to be full because most people tend to expect that and that's not that's not a realistic expectation to even have, then don't do it. Maybe spend the, like the 10 hours a week it takes you to like script produce and edit a podcast into some other activity that actually gets you the instant results. So that that's what I would say. I think start off with that. And if you want to start off with that, then you, you have the, all the mindset already. So you just keep putting, keep putting the content out there, put put in the volume. And then one more like hack that I've seen work is that collaborate with other people in the space who are slightly bigger than you. So put out like a decent volume of content, let's say 20 to 25 episodes, mm-hmm. and then try having a guest on, right? Who's slightly bigger than you. Doesn't have to be the most popular uh, person in them itself. Right? It has to be someone who's slightly ahead of you. So let's say 10 to 50% ahead of you, and they're happy to come on your show and then promote you and then their audience, and then you get bigger, and then you get someone else who's bigger than you. And then you tap into these markets, and then coming back to our slightly the, the point that we touched on earlier, you don't don't just get people who are into let's say women's health. You t- target some tangential top topics, let's say motherhood, for example. Mm. Right? You get like some parenting experts or motherhood as experts to come on your show because then your audience is also in, also interested not just in women's health. They're interested in motherhood. They're interested in the other other stuff, right? So you get those experts as well, and then you start growing your audience even more. But yeah, I think that those are the two things I would like to say. Start off with volume in mind and that know that it's going to take work. It's not easy. Um, and then collaborate with other people. I think it's like creation is a, is inherently collaborative. Um, so do that and you, you should grow. So that, that's interesting. Just going over my personal journey uh, with our podcast. So mm-hmm. the first 20 or 30 episodes, I don't know that I got anyone more than, you know, my personal network. <laughs> that yep. was really engaged you know it was very small numbers and uh and then uh after about 20 or 30 i mean i'm not looking at the numbers in front of me and so i'm doing this off the top of my head mm-hmm. but after about 20 or yep. 30 episodes we started to see a following of people um well that that was when we started to actually see people that were out of our immediate area and even uh, you know started to grow a little bit of an international audience and mm-hmm. then we kind of settled into another range um, and then at about 150 episodes, we saw another spike of, mm. you know, of, of engagement with the podcast. And so, you know, when mm. you're talking about the, the numbers, I'm like, yeah, it, uh, it took some time. 
and so it's yeah. taking some time. I I shouldn't say you know that uh, that all all is said and done you know for me in my personal journey, but uh, no, that's that that's great insight. I, I want to shift gears a little bit. Tell us about Sorel. Like what uh, what what exactly is Sorel, and uh, you know what's what 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 what's the idea and the concept behind this. It's basically, it, it basically helps. So there, let's say there's a brand and then they want to work with influencers. So there's brands. So there's two things you can do as a brand that right? you can become the influencer or, but that takes time that takes three to five years of work or simultaneously what you can do if you want to get relatively instantaneous results is you can work with influencers who already have that influence built. Saral comes in in the second half and a brand wants to work with an influencer who's already built up an audience. Mm -hmm. So let's say there's a, uh, there's a coffee brand and they want to work with coffee influencers. Um, Saral does all the magic that happens in between. So how does the brand find the influencer? How do they communicate with them? How do they pay them? How do you track performance? How do you maintain that relationship? So that's what Saral does. Okay. Okay. So, you know, you talked about the two different tracks, As a business, how do you know which track you want to be on? You know, I mean, I I, I work with a lot of businesses that uh, they they all kind of it it feels like they all want to start as being the influencer, and then they get to a certain point, and they're just like, oh, forget this, I want to find the influencer. It's hard work. Yeah, yeah. I think I think for most people, for most brands, I would just recommend unless you really have something very very interesting to say, um, just work with influencers directly. Just go go go. I mean. Why do you want to make the journey harder for you? And I, I'm assuming most of your most of your audience is just small businesses, right? So you right. already have limited bandwidth, limited capital. You have a bunch of other stuff going on. You don't necessarily are like a big company who can have a whole department just like creating content. Right? Maybe you're a one-person shop or you, you have like a few employees, right? Um, so your time and your bandwidth is limited. So it's just better. It's just a better return on your time if you collaborate with influencers as opposed to trying to be your own influencer yourself so i think but i guess again in the longer term what's efficient is to you you do both again but then for most people i would recommend start off with the influencer stuff see if people are attracted to your message and then yes eventually if you want to do it yourself you do it but then know that it's going to take you three to five years because look at the influencer once you work with influencers you understand these things because most people like we don't know any big influencers in your in our day-to-day lives right but then when you work with an influencer who has let's say even like two hundred thousand followers unless they got lucky they've been at it for like three to five years minimum right, right. right so once you work with them you'll understand the work it takes and then if you're ready for it then you go ahead and do it yourself yeah. So uh, this this is where uh, we're, we're going to kind of do a little bit of the uh, commercial plug. Uh, if someone okay. is interested in working with you, first off, uh, what level of business do they need to be at? You know, like at mm-hmm. what point does it make sense to work with you and how do they connect with you and, and Sorel? Yeah, for sure. I think if you're uh, if you're selling to consumers and you want to work with influencers, doesn't really matter if like the scale you're at, we primarily specialize in small to mid-sized businesses. So if you're like a smallish company, we've worked with brands that are like three people, um, and we've worked with brands that are 500 people. So we, so if you want to work with influencers, Saral can help. And then the way to get in touch is to just go to our website, get Saral, G-E-T-S-A-R-A-L.com. And then there's a there's a big purple button there. You click on it, and it, it'll it'll give you all your answers. So yeah, perfect. All right. Yep. So let, let let's jump back to kind of some uh, some content for the listeners here. Uh, everyone wants to know: Should I be on Instagram? Should I be on TikTok? Mm-hmm. 
should I be on YouTube? <laughs> like every, everyone wants to know what's, what's the correct one to be on. And you know, I mean, obviously there's not a correct one or else that would be the yep. only option out there, but yep. what are some determinations? How do you help advise people? You know, and even if they're looking for an influencer, do I want a TikTok mm-hmm. influencer? Do I want an yep. Instagram influencer? Do I want someone who's spread across multiple platforms? How, mm-hmm. how do you help navigate that? that constant question of which platform depends on depends on where your audience is if you're and the type of product that you have so tiktok is really good for i'll give you the breakdown of all three major platforms okay so tiktok is really good if your product is eye-catching so if you have something really crazy that people can let's say un- make an unboxing video out of the goal with tiktok is to stop the scroll so tiktok is like a very you don't see anything else on tiktok let's say you're scrolling um instagram or um even let's say youtube you have recommendations you have a bunch of stuff going on tiktok is very like siloed you just see one piece of content on your screen and then if that doesn't catch your attention. It's an easy flick of the finger uh-huh. and you see something new. So you've got to stop the scroll in the first two to three seconds. So if you have something really, really crazy, TikTok works really well for that. But TikTok also works well for awareness. So if you're just after brand awareness, you want your brand to be out there, you want people to know your brand, and TikTok's great. It's not necessarily great to get the most amount of conversions. And we work with brands and they're, on, they're working, let's say, with a TikTok influencer. They're great. They might go viral. They might get... So all these like hundreds of thousands of views, but then for sales, it's not necessarily the best. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the pros and cons of TikTok, right? Okay. Coming to Instagram, it's kind of the best of both worlds. Um, it's kind of like a TikTok-ish platform, but then it's still slightly more mature. The audience is a little bit older on Instagram. So and it's not as flashy, not as dopamine inducing. So you get the best <laughs> of both worlds. You get uh, awareness and you also get sales on Instagram. YouTube is the best for long-term content. So, or like for long form content. So YouTube is good if you're like, if your product is very detailed, let's say you're a, like a tech company, like a mobile phone, right? And that you can't review a mobile phone in like a minute. Right? It needs like a five to 10 minute long video, for uh-huh. example. It's so or if let's say you're a, you know, like a vacuum cleaner, which is like some new innovative design, then you need like a long form video to review that. So that's when YouTube comes in and YouTube is not necessarily great to get the most amount of views because you might collaborate with a YouTuber with, let's say, 50,000 subscribers and they might get 5,000 views on their video. It's not it's not like a lot of views as compared to, let's say, a TikToker. If you work with them, uh, if they are 50K on TikTok, they might get 100,000 views. But then on YouTube, the 5,000 people who watch maybe like a thousand of them will actually go ahead and buy. So YouTube's the best when it comes to conversions because it's a more focused audience. You have more time to educate them and they are more likely to click through on your website and go ahead and buy it. So yeah, those that's my breakdown of the three platforms. So depending on what you want, you, you pick one and go at it. So now this is a question that I get asked a lot and it has to do with uh, people not wanting to go be stuck on those big platforms. There are a lot of people that feel like, um, you know, the TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, they they have too much control. They, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, they, there's privacy issues that people are constantly concerned about. And so I'll see businesses that from kind of a, uh, you know, like, like, like they want, they want to support the little guy. They want to help the underdog, but, Mm -hmm. The challenge is, is when you're dealing with influencers, going to the underdog is kind of 
you know, contradictory to what you're all about. You're trying to go where people are. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, going where people aren't isn't going to put you where people are. So what, what would you say to people who are looking at, you know, alternative solutions? Is it a requirement? Does every single business, in your opinion, need to be on one of those three uh, platforms? Uh, what if they want to try something else? And there's kind of, you know, they're the small up-and-coming no-name ones, which mm. personally, I've never seen a business actually be successful with a small mm. up-and-coming no-name. They're mm. the mid-sized, which, you know, I, I'm picturing like a Pinterest coming in on a mid-size. And I'm like, yeah, I've seen businesses mm. that have been successful. I've also seen businesses go nowhere with a, you know, Pinterest, Twitter, yeah. those kinds of things. So what's okay. what's your take on on the other options? I think I think we touched on a similar thread when we were talking about creators, right? You gotta know what your audience wants and you gotta know as a brand where your audience is. So if your audience is not on Pinterest, then there's let's say you're targeting um, 40 year old uh, men, <laughs> likely not on Pinterest, right? <laughs> right. Um, but if you're targeting um, 30 year old moms, maybe on they're on Pinterest more than they're on TikTok. Right. So in that case, you got to you got to go where your audience is. I never get into the platform debate with anyone. I know some people are like TikTok's the future. Some people know TikTok's going to be banned by, by by the government. Now Instagram go all on Instagram. I don't I don't really get there. I think the plat- platforms come platforms go. Maybe there's TikTok today. There'll be something else tomorrow. Maybe Instagram goes away. Like Facebook went away, and something else will be there. Okay. But I think as a brand, you have to be aware where your audience is, and then just be there. I've seen like to be honest, I've seen brands who like work with say even like influencers on platforms like rumble or gab which tend to be more like conservative on the political spectrum of things and they're like more like like anti-establishment but there's the selling stuff like that that appeals like the survival kits and things like that and you you sell on those (laughs) platforms that's where your audience is right so it doesn't really even like those obscure platforms is like people see success there if your audience is there so yeah Mm -hmm. okay so Another thing that uh, that I get asked a lot is, um, do businesses have to create videos? And my advice is always, yeah, put some video out there. Even if it's on your phone, you know, even if it's poor quality, just put some video out there. Uh, what 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 would you recommend for businesses when it comes to creating video? Video, it's it's difficult. You know, if you if you do a high quality, high production video, it, it's costly, it's time consuming. You know, uh, so so how do you advise businesses when it comes to video content versus other content? You know, written or audio that tends to be easier and quicker to do. Yep, I think if you have the budget and the time for it. Video is, I have found is, I like to say it's the highest leverage form of content that you can produce. Because a video can be a video, it can be turned into, let's say like this, like 40 minute conversation of ours could be turned into like 10 different shorts on YouTube, mm-hmm. right? It can be one long YouTube video. You can get this transcribed into a blog post about influencer marketing. You can get this, it will run obviously as a podcast in audio form. So I think when you do video content, it's the it's the highest leverage on your time because you just sit there for one hour, you record, and you probably have enough content for a week or two for following that. Versus it's even you do a blog, it's just it's just a blog. You don't like you can't really do much with it, right? So I think video, if you can do it. Do it, but if you can't, if you are like really good at say writing, you have a great like writing skills, you have a blog, you have distribution in a newsletter, then do that. Exploit your 
your strengths. But if you're just starting out, I would highly recommend doing videos because nowadays people are like on like always on their like they're addicted to their screens, right? So that's where the video is. Um, so doing video content is definitely if you can do it, do it is my recommendation. But don't let it stop you. If you can't do it, don't just say, "Oh, I can't do video. I'm doomed. My business is going nowhere." That's that's not what's going to happen, right? So you should you should do some form of content, and if you can, do video for sure. So I and, and I love what you're saying here. I keep hearing this theme coming back to like there's not one right way or sure. you know like there's not a, a magic formula that everyone has to yeah. do. And and I think that that happens way too much. I believe that there are too many people who are stuck in this concept of well, I don't know if I, you know, if I'm, I'm not good at video or I'm not good at writing or whatever. It's like, look, do what you can. And, you know, and this, this brings right. me back to even that conversation that, that I was having yesterday with, uh, you know, the, the business owner and she was uh, debating to do something. And, right. and I told her, I'm like, oh, yeah, you, you'd, you'd be great at podcasting, you know, speaking from experience. Like, I think you'd be natural at it. And yeah. then she made the comment. She's like, but I love to write. And my mm. comment back to her was, "So right, you know, like right, exactly. I, I don't yeah. see, I don't see why, you know, why, why that causes any sort of a problem." I'm like, "You could do yeah. both, or you could only write, or you know, whatever, you know, whatever works well for you." So. Absolutely, yeah. I think I think people just need to do need to stop listening to the experts, stop listening to what Yash says <laughs> on on Ryan's podcast, and just do you. I think just um, just like. Here's what I'm good at. Here's my do do like a SWOT analysis on yourself and your business. Like here's my strengths, weaknesses. Here's opportunities, threats, and you're like, okay, how do I double down on my strengths, and how do I not look at where my weakness? Maybe you're not good on video, right? So even if you do the best practice, oh, Yash said it's like high leverage content, so I'm going to do video. But then you suck at video. Maybe you're not as good of a presenter, right? So if nobody listens to you, then the best practice is is in the bin, right? But let's say you're a good writer. And you write, and you don't make any videos. That's also fine. There's plenty of like just blogs who are very successful. But right, so. But yeah. I'll tell you, I watch a lot of YouTube videos that are horrible presenters, but the mm-hmm. content is great. The information is quality, and so mm-hmm. even if you're a crappy presenter, see, I deal with that a lot. So you know, I present professionally, and mm-hmm. I get told all the time, people are like, "I couldn't do what you do." And and I'm like, well, okay, there is some personality that goes into it because I have a personality that I don't mind getting in front of, you know, a a few hundred people and having everyone staring at me like that actually kind (laughs) of energizes me. And I know some people that like that's that's their biggest fear. They're like, I would hate to have to be in front of everybody, you know, but. I think that people get too hung up on, well, what if I say the wrong thing? I'm like, then mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. You know, like really people, yeah. and I, I always ask them this question. I'm like, what was the last time, you know, the last presentation that you went to? And I'm like, tell me something that they said that was wrong. I'm like, well, I don't, right. I don't remember. Yeah. Like, exactly. You don't yeah. remember. Yeah. <laughs> no one will remember, yeah. you know. And, and so, exactly. you know, I, I always advise chill out. Don't worry if, you know, if you don't look the, the part, if you're like, well, I'm not, I'm not like a, a movie star or I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a certain age. I hear that a lot where everyone right. thinks that, you know, all the influencers are just in their, their 20s or early 30s. And, you know, it's like, well, I, I couldn't be an influencer because I'm 50. Yeah. I'm like, 
So there, there's a lot of 50 year olds <laughs> on this planet yeah. that would love to hear what you yeah. have to say, you know, exactly. And the, from the influencer side, there are 50 year old influencers also. Funny, there was this brand we were working with. They were a sub, there was a osteoporosis supplement. So osteoporosis is like a bone condition that mm-hmm, happens right. usually with older women, like 40 plus about that age was kicks in and really affects like 50 plus of women. So we were, even I was, I, I didn't dive into like the old influencer market yet because all the brands are like younger influencers right so we were like okay now this is a puzzle to solve it'll be hard to find influencers for this brand because they like to cater to an older audience so we can't necessarily work with let's say a 25 year old tiktoker to promote them (laughs) but turns out there's like all these like old people who create content like look at say hashtag fit over 50 hashtag uh, yoga after 50 and all these like hashtags that people create co- content around there's like these 50 60 year olds are creating like fitness content meditation content sharing their wisdom um, all this on tiktok right yeah. so off, on the off all the platforms on tiktok right so like you'd be surprised how many so like don't let age be a factor if you have something to talk about and you want to talk about it go ahead and go ahead and do that yeah no, I I think I think that's awesome, and so so uh, we're kind of running out of time a little bit. Uh, yep. What I'd like to do in the final minutes that we have uh, remaining here is just give me kind of you know your your, your final thoughts. Uh, if you know, and, and we can look at this from from whatever angle you want to go. You know, looking at it from businesses that are trying to become influencers, we could look at it from businesses that want businesses that want to partner with influencers, uh, or we could look at it from people who just want to be better educated at you know how to how to position their their brand and 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 what they need to do. So you know, kind of, and I get this is a huge topic, and I'm asking you to wrap it in a bow, yeah. but still, <laughs> give, give me give give me some good. Uh, uh, you know, good summary points sure. that the yeah. businesses can uh, can take and walk away with. Sure. So, if you're a business, um, you're in the business of all businesses sell, right? That's capitalism. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to sell, and it, it comes down to persuasion and influence, right? So, if if someone influential says something nice about you, um, people are going to listen. People are going to take action and buy, right? So that's that's just fundamentals because that's why, like I like to say, word of mouth is the oldest marketing channel because before, like Facebook and TikTok and all, all this, like fun TV and radio, before all of this, um, word of mouth was the only way that a business could grow, right? Because mm-hmm. you could, like, your customers would talk to other customers or talk to other customers. So today, like modern day influencer marketing is just that concept, word of mouth at scale. So instead of one person talking to five of their friends, it's one person talking to 50,000 of their fans. So doing influencer marketing is critical in today's days. It's as good as ignoring the word of mouth channel back in the day. So that's what I like to say. So if you are a business, I would recommend partnering with influencers, probably the highest ROI strategy that you could employ. If there's one thing you take from this podcast is figure out like create a list of like 25 influencers who speak to your potential audience and reach out to them and see if there's a way that you can partner with them. Maybe on a, you can just pay them to post, you can collaborate on affiliate basis. If, if that works out, you can also make them like a partner in your business. I've seen brands do that. Um, So just work with sources of influence and get them to talk about you. And then also while you're doing that, if you are good at creating video content, writing blogs or doing any sort of content creation, you can also start building your own authority and influence in the space. So yeah, I, I think we can leave it at that. That was awesome. I appreciate it so much. So uh, remind the listeners one more time, if they are interested in connecting with you, what is the best way to connect? 
Yeah, so if you're a brand, you're looking to work with influencers, like I said, let's say you're a brand that sells coffee, you want to work with coffee influencers, you go to getsaral.com, you start your free trial, and there's a search engine. You search away, search for coffee, women's health, uh, fitness, whatever you want, and we'll give you the influencers that influence your audience. So yeah, that's getsaral.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Yash. It has been a pleasure having you on. Uh, tons of insight, great information, especially uh, answering a lot of questions that I get uh, from businesses. And so I, I think that the uh, the content you provided was very applicable. So I appreciate uh, you and your time. And uh, you have been listening to uh, an interview on marketingmanagementandmoney.com. Be sure to stay tuned for future interviews and episodes. Thanks so much for joining us.